Transportation Security Administration employees just got an historic pay raise, and now the union representing TSA airport screeners is negotiating an expanded collective bargaining agreement. The progress for TSA employees in recent years has been pretty swift, but it follows more than a decade of efforts to address low morale and high attrition at what is still a pretty young federal agency. We get more now from Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday, and I guess we should begin by pointing out the union did not negotiate the raise. That's something that only Congress and the administration can grant, but they can bargain over other aspects of their work. And so your latest federal report looks at the challenges around this workforce, how they've involved. Tell us more. So, Tom, we've been reporting on this big pay raise that TSA just got that brought their employees in line with really the rest of the federal government. Some airport screeners had been paid as much as 30% less than their counterparts with similar experience. So a really big deal for TSA employees. And now, as we mentioned, they're, they're negotiating an expanded collective bargaining agreement, again, to bring them in line with other federal employee uh, union contracts. But this has happened over the last few months. It's really following efforts since TSA's inception almost to bring their employees up to the same level as other federal employees in terms of their pay and benefits. When TSA was created back in 2001, they were kind of carved out of that Title V pay and personnel system that other federal employees are under. From there, it's really been this kind of back and forth about what kind of pay and personnel system should TSA have going forward? I spoke with one guy who's been following that since the very beginning, Representative Benny Thompson. He's now ranking member of the House Homeland Security Committee, but he's really been on this issue since the beginning. And he talked a little bit about the view of TSA employees when it first was created back in 2001. You know, you used to have what's called a rental cops doing the screening and passenger thing. And so that mindset somehow was still there when TSA was put together that, oh, this is just a menial minimum wage type job. Well, real quick, it became clear that if we're to keep passenger safety and security like we want it to be, then we're going to have to have professionals operating at the TSO level because they are the primary point of contact for every person that gets on a commercial airline. I could listen to Benny Thompson for hours. And what were some of the big efforts to address these workforce challenges early on? Yeah, one of the first ones nearly came to fruition in 2007. That's when the Senate passed a bill to approve collective bargaining for TSA screeners as part of legislation actually implementing recommendations from the 9-11 Commission, pushed by Senate Democrats at the time as a way to combat some of the high turnover that they were already seeing at TSA, keeping experienced airport screeners five years into its creation. But that provision was ultimately stripped out of the final bill when it went to conference due to a veto threat from President George W. Bush at the time, because there's just been this kind of back and forth where TSA, maybe some folks felt, didn't need to have a union for security reasons. There could have been other ideological reasons. But essentially, the Bush administration was opposed to that collective bargaining provision. It was stripped out in 2007. And things started to change around 2011 then. Yeah, that's when TSA airport screeners got limited collective bargaining rights. Uh, this happened under the Obama administration. Uh, you know, before being elected president, Barack Obama had pledged to basically ensure airport screeners had workplace protections online with the rest of the federal government. And then Administrator John Pistol was the guy charged with implementing that broad mandate. And he agreed to grant screeners this limited collective bargaining agreement. 
he told me in an interview he was concerned about potential strikes happening across TSA employees at airports. So they put in place this sort of limited agreement that wasn't quite up to par with some other uh, union management contracts across government. So by being able to take that off and then focusing on the things that were most important to the workforce, basically pay and benefits, and then you know shifts, schedules, all those things that any employee in that situation is, is interested in, uh, wanted to embrace that fully. I remember that question over the shifts in particular, because at the time, TSA management wanted to keep people on differenting shifts rotating shifts because they didn't want to, I guess they imagined that frequent flyers or people that would understand the patterns in the shift could possibly befriend a TSA agent instead of encountering someone random, and that could increase the chances of someone getting something through. But as we've seen in the intervening years, that hasn't happened yet. Morale and attrition, though, were still a challenge even after this during the Obama administration, Justin? Yeah, that's right. I mean, by 2010, it was pretty clear that TSA was one of the quote-unquote worst places to work in the federal government. And that's, of course, based on the Federal Employee Viewpoint Survey. Basically, the promotion system was holding back people's pay. I had some experts tell me that it would literally be three decades before you could get to the top of the main frontline screener pay band. And you started out at around 28, 29,000. So you were looking at a pretty low paying job and you didn't have prospects to go beyond that. People started looking at TSA as a way to get into the government and then join another agency. U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services had a big hiring push around that time. They got a lot of TSA employees. So did Customs and Border Protection. By 2016, there were headlines about severe understaffing at TSA, leading to long security lines. And really, TSA was in a crisis at that time. They had lost net employees over the years. Retention was a major challenge. A inspector general report found one quarter of the 8,000 TSA officers who left the agency in FIS 2017 left within the first six months on the job. So they had a problem just keeping people they had only recently hired. Yeah, hard to imagine. You've got 350 souls trudging onto an airliner worth $100 million, and this is what it all depends on for safety. Kind of crazy. But the push for equal pay then, how did that really get started and culminate in what we've been reporting recently, Justin? There were a lot of studies ongoing in the middle of the Trump administration to look at how to just combat these recruitment and retention issues at TSA. One of those was a 2019 Blue Ribbon Panel report commissioned by TSA Administrator David Pekoski. He's the current administrator. He was actually appointed during the Trump administration. And that report really found that low pay was the primary driver behind these workforce issues. I also spoke with Tom Warwick. He's the director of the Future of DHS Project at the Atlantic Council. They did similar studies and found the same thing. Low pay was the problem. It was completely apparent that problems with low pay were causing excessive turnover at TSA. They were losing good people. As one of our experts put it, TSA is, was losing people to Amazon fulfillment centers because you could make more money stuffing shoppers' boxes than you could protecting our country's aviation and transportation systems. Yeah, and no patting down people that hate you and screaming at you because they're mad at something else when they get to the airport. They've got the union. They're negotiating a contract. They've got the raise. Justin Doubleday, what comes next for TSA? I should mention that after, you know, those studies came out, the Biden administration really kind of just took those on and worked with Congress, and it became a bipartisan issue to raise TSA pay. And that's how we got to the point last month where they got this big 
big historic pay raise. And now Biden administration has been pretty pro-federal employee union. They directed TSA management to work out this expanded collective bargaining agreement with the American Federation for Government Employees. And that's what they've just started in June, actually. It's all good vibes right now. Everybody, both in TSA and at AFGE, seem to be pretty happy. We'll see how that works out over the next year or so. I spoke with David Pekoski, TSA administrator today and has been since, I think, 2017. He talked a little bit about how he views these management union relations at TSA. My goal is to have a very good and productive relationship with the bargaining unit and the bargaining unit employees. Uh, and, and that really begins in the negotiations for the collective bargaining agreement. So, so far, very positive. We've made a lot of progress. Uh, I'm hoping in the not too distant future, we're able to sign something. Well, it sure beats bad relations, that's for sure. So it looks like things are looking up. So far, and so we really have to see how this collective bargaining agreement goes. We also have to see how the appropriations process works out, because as we've covered, there's some funding that's being stripped out in some bills on Congress So for the pay. So we'll have to see how that goes. Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. Thanks so much. All right. You're welcome, Tom. And check out his federal report at federalnewsnetwork.com.